Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to Following On South Africa Special on TalkSport 2 in association with The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm John Norman and for the next hour we'll be giving you a flavour of what you can expect from TalkSport 2's much anticipated live and exclusive coverage of England's tour of the Rainbow Nation. You'll be hearing from both captains, Joe Root, who's had to call in the cavalry after illness swept through the team, and Faf de Plessis, who's cutting a much more chipper figure of late. Mark Boucher, the new South Africa coach, and the former all-rounder Jack Callis alongside him on the team, they'll both be on the show today. And for those of you who follow the fortunes of England in Sri Lanka and West Indies, a chance to familiarise yourself with a couple of uh, voices uh, that may bring back some memories. Neil Manthorpe, Jarrah Kimber and also Guy Swindles, a regular part of our summer coverage. They'll all be with us today. But alongside me, well, kind of, is a man who was part of the team the last time TalkSport covered a test series in this part of the world and a winning one at that, Steve Harmison. And you're listening to Following on South Africa special on TalkSport 2 in association with The Times and The Sunday Times. So, Harmy, are your bags packed? You're ready to go? You got all uh, you got a book for the journey? Maybe Ben Stokes' new book. Um, you're not. It's not going to be long, mate. Just a couple of days till you're out here with us. Yeah, I can't wait, John. I'm looking forward to seeing the sunshine. I don't. I don't think I need a book. I'm travelling with Darren Goff. That's <laughs> ten hours of just pure heaven, isn't it? Yeah, in the skies, Darren Goff. What more can you want um, for a ten-hour flight? So, no, I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm looking forward to the cricket since Graham Smith. Um, Mark Boucher, Jack Callas. There's been a lot of positive talk coming out of South Africa because it's needed, and I'm sure Manners will know more about it when he when we speak to Manners. But they've been in a in a sorry state of affairs for for a, for a couple of months, so they can't play these these greats of the game, but they can give some of the, the the younger players some confidence. Six deputies in the squad. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how England go because it's going to be a good test for England, but one I believe England should win. Well, that's the thing now, isn't it, Harmy? Because actually, England's record overseas in the last few years has been pretty poor. But when it comes to South Africa, I'm not, I don't know, well, maybe you can tell us what it is, but 
England win here. They haven't lost a series here since the start of the, the century. You won out here, 2-1, that famous series in 0-4-0-5. Last time England were here in 16, they were they won quite comfortably, going 2-0 up before losing uh, a dead rubber. What is it about touring South Africa that brings the best out of England? I'm not sure. I think there's there's a little bit more bounce in the pitch. Um, it's not as... it's. I don't believe it's as flat... And, and I think that's where England's bowlers might get a little bit more help than they did in sort of New Zealand or do in Australia. I think there is a little bit more offering for a ball, for the bowlers. Um, we all know this cooker of a ball goes soft very, very quickly. But there is still something there for the pitches, the good cricket pitches. And I think when they're like that, it brings England's, England's strength into play, which is over the course of the last few years, or the, a lot of the last years, is Broad Anderson. Um, Archer will be... It'll be a handful on these pitches. So it, it just seems to bring the best out of us. I go back to my time in 2004-05 when we won the first test. We got help. Don't get me wrong. We got help in the first test match when you know the, the, new, the new head coach of South Africa, the, um, there, was a, there was a little bit of a, a political game going on with Mark Boucher. He didn't get picked for the first two test matches. We won the first Test match in Port Elizabeth, which gave us a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a cushion going into the sort of Christmas period. Um, and we, we won the series 2-1, and it was a it was a fascinating series, which bounced back and forward. And then, you know, again, Strauss's team went there and 11-12, something like that, around that series when our very own Matt Pryor, you know, steered the game. Where, you know, with Graham Onions at the end there, and then, and then the last game when you know it was the the Ben Stokes show. You know, he got a mm. he got a big double hundred and a f- phenomenal innings. Um, so it, you're right; it does seem to bring the best out of the England players. What about this illness then? I mean, it seemed well, I can tell you that both Joffrey Archer and Stuart Broad did bowl today in the nets. That's the first time they've done anything, though. I mean, it, it seems a bit uh, of a strange thing to say, but you know, in a way, when professional athletes come down with a bug like that, does it take them a little bit longer? to get past it than maybe us mere mortals because of course you know you've got no fat you've got no fat on you have you you've got no reserve um it, it, it seems to push from from here to to see broad and archer playing on boxing day or do you think they'll be okay i think they'll be okay whether england can take the gamble on all three that's the thing for me can you take a gamble on all three especially when I don't think there's ever any. I don't think there is any doubt on Jimmy Anderson. He's bowled 30 mm. match overs. He looked good as well, and he's he looking sharp. good. But you know, you, mm. you you never until you get over that white line and you get into the battle of the Test match, you go that little bit. You just got that little bit more of a spring in your step, and you have to go that little bit further when the cameras are on and the crowd's going. So until Jimmy bowls 30 overs in a Test match, yeah, you know, I'm still I'm still cautious over. I'm coming back so to have all that in the melting pot plus three guys ill who probably would play if well, they were playing my team if, if I was selecting a team and everybody's fit I think it would be a big gamble so one of them might miss out and I'm not sure who who it would be I think I've got uh, Archer might be the one that, that, that would miss out at, at Centurion and keep Archer for for Cape Town if there is any doubt at all over the three of them, if they're fully feeling fully fit and they get going, I've got no problem playing Archer and Broad because I think they're them with them two Anderson Stokes would be my four. It's just whether I play you'd play Parkinson or you'd play Leach, and I think Parkinson's bowled 39 overs without taking a wicket so far. Our problems, Johnny. Like we there's know there's a call there, isn't it? It that's, is. That's we, the big one. Our, because our England, problems are 
taking 20 wickets in a leg spin and might help us mop tails up. Maybe, but I tell you what, I mean, we've just seen England play in Hamilton, the last Test match without a spinner. I, I just got a feeling they're really giving consideration to not picking a spinner at this at this ground. Jack Leach has been ill in New Zealand. He's been ill here. Mm. Parkinson was pretty expensive. I mean, it's, you know, you don't want to make a call on somebody after just watching two warm-ups, but I, I don't think he really pushed his claim any. And then, of course, Don Bess has just flown in. It's very unlikely to see him playing. I've got a feeling that England are going to go in with an all-pace attack. Yeah, I, I think that'll be... I, I, I wouldn't mind it if it means you're getting Broad and Archer in the game, in the team, and then you've got three three bowlers who you think, well, they've got some overs under the belt. Because if Broad, if Broad Archer play, there is a lot more on Anderson and Stokes, Stokes especially, if we play a spinner. So then there is, there is a call for playing the extra seamer in probably Sam Curran, if that's the case. And then you've got a, a variation with a, with a left armour. But I think it's a big call not to play a frontline spinner. I think ideally England would like, to, I personally would like to have played Archer Broad, Anderson with Stokes and then potentially play Parkinson and say, right, we've got a quick bowler and a leg spinner to get a team. When you get a team five down, then, you know, let's, one, we can, t you know, test the techniques out, uh, inside, outside edge because we've got a spinner that turns the ball both ways and we've got somebody who can rev it up and bowl you know, late 80s, early 90 mile an hour, and that would blow a tail away. And that's what we need. And that's what we haven't had for a number of years overseas. You know, we've seen in the Caribbean, John, you know, the, the influence of Mark Wood in that, that last test mm. match and what that gives the bowling attack when somebody quickly bowls. And it's, and it's, it's great to watch. Um, and I think hopefully Archer's our man. And I just, I just think that ideally would like to play a Parkinson to try and help us take 20 wickets when things aren't doing uh, when things aren't happening so yeah they've got a big call to make the potentially I wouldn't go against the, f the playing five seamers because two of them are, are still unwell and the preparation has been they'll be un under underdone um, if we don't back the spinner but I think when we get to Cape Town especially at PE when we get to Port Elizabeth they're going to have to pick a frontline spinner and you know they've, they've got three there at the minute they're going to have to quickly get uh, their act in the gear to, to, to sort of see what the balance of the side is going forward because if they play five-seamers, which you know we talk about, they're considering, um, they can't play, I don't think they can play five-seamers in all four test matches and expect no. to win the series. What about Ben Stokes? Eh? I mean, what a year he's had. Um, Sports Personality of the Year, World Cup Final, Headingley, all that. You know, for a guy like him, what, what, the start of a series like this, where do you think, if any improvements or aims, he's going to set himself? Uh, I mean, you know, have we seen the best of him? I mean, can it get any better with him? What, what areas of his game do you think uh, he still feels can be developed a, a, a touch? I think he's bowling. I think he'd be wanting to uh, get his bowling more consistent. I think that's the only thing I would say. Um, his fielding's unbelievable. When he's backed into a corner, that's when Ben comes out the best. Well, you look at the great all-rounders we've had and you, know, you don't want to talk and make comparisons between Stokes and Flintoff or Flintoff and Botham or all three of them. But it just seems when these, these, these three characters, they're very, very similar in trait, that when they're backed into a corner, you know, that's when they come out fighting and they come out fighting in a positive way and you know, they're chest out and you know and be aggressive and I think I think that's what Ben's done over the course of this last 12 months when he's been backed into that corner World Cup final like you say Headingley 
he, he stood up and he was and he was counted. I think for an improvement, I think Ben would want to, you know, he's bowling to to sort of be a little bit more consistent um, and go for less boundaries. And I think if he goes for less boundaries, he'll pick more wickets up because he is a wicket-taken bowler. He's somebody who mm. will get a wicket out of nothing um, because of the, the the sort of angle he comes at and he has this ability to just just to stand the ball up just outside of stump. But he will improve because he's he's getting older, he's getting wiser, he's getting better, he's get he's learning more about himself and the game as his career develops. And I think he will get better for that because he's like like he said many times, his house is in order when it comes to his family life, his, his game's in order, his body he looks he looks fit and strong, um, and it's just I think it's just a natural progression for Ben to get better and better. And what about Joe Root? Again, it's, uh, there are murmurings about his. I mean, his captaincy. England have just lost a series away in New Zealand. They lost a series away at the start of 2019. They lost, or rather, drew a series um, against Australia. It's always an important time for any England captain. But you, you just got the feeling that with him and also Chris Silverwood, his first series as coach didn't go the way he wanted. It's it's time now, isn't it? We we've got to get we've got to stop talking about it essentially because there's there's nobody else who can take the captaincy from Root. So we we need him to score the runs that we saw he did in Hamilton. We need England to start winning series again. Yeah, there's there's two elements to this, John. I think the the, the captaincy and the batting. I think I don't have too many problems with his captaincy as such. I think he, he has to captain, he has to be quite reactive sometimes with it because his team doesn't score enough runs. And that gets me onto his batting, which he is part of this team not scoring enough runs. He had to go up to number three, which a lot of people were asking for, me included. Um, wasn't that convinced it was the greatest idea, but he had to go because there was nobody else to bat at number three. Joe, if Joe Root goes and scores 100 in the first innings, or an 80 in the first innings in England, get 350, 400. Then Joe Root's captaincy will not be questioned because England will win test matches. So I think it goes it goes hand in hand a little bit that he needs to score first innings runs and he needs to score first innings big runs, his team do, which will make his job as a captain a lot easier because you could have Andrew Strauss, Michael Vaughan, Mike Brealey, captain in England. But if England are only getting 220, 250 first innings, they're not winning test matches. They're just not, it's just not going to happen because we haven't got a bowling attack that will blow a team's away overseas. So the important thing for Joe is to go out and get big first innings runs. And if he does that, you know, his captaincy will take care of itself. Delighted to say from uh, Supersport Park, we can cross to Cape Town where Neil Manthorpe's another man who's just packing his bag, readying himself to get himself over to Joburg in the next 48 hours or so. Part of our coverage in Sri Lanka, West Indies. And of course, oh, what sense would it make if we didn't make it part of our coverage of South Africa as well? Manners, um, what a time to be alive, eh? South Africa. I was uh, chatting with Faf Plessy a couple of days ago uh, and it just seems that after a period where the team were at rock bottom uh, they're a little bit more chipper now that they've got the Galacticos in the, the dressing room um, are you feeling a change in momentum just at the wrong time if you're an England fan? John, you know, it's a mutiny that's what it is uh, the sailors have locked up the captain and his uh, staff in their cabins and they've taken control of the ship um, That that's effectively what has happened the board, the completely discredited Cricket South Africa board, have had no communication whatsoever with Graham Smith, the new director of cricket, neither with the captain, Faf Duplessis. The selectors, the, the new selection structure and the, the recalled 
selection convener, Linda Zondi. That was all put together by Smith, again, without consultation from the board. As I said, the uh, the, the captain and his staff are locked up in their cabin and the, and the sailors have taken charge. And so, yes, the ship is heading in a very, very different direction. And I feel that momentum hugely, hugely. I mean, one of the questions that was asked of Faf de Plessis was, you know, two weeks, and Mark Boucher as well, actually, and Jack Kelly, all of them. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, somebody was to tell you you'd be standing here in Centurion ahead of the first test with such a position of responsibility within this side. Uh, would you have believed it? And actually, um, Faf de Plessis said he, he hoped that would happen. Uh, he dreamt that it might happen, but none of them expected it to happen. So it's quite some turnaround. When things started unfolding... My, um, the way I saw it is that things needed to get real bad before it can get better. So it might sound bad, but it needed to get worse for it to get really better. So I'm, I'm happy that that process unfolded to where we are today. That would never have entered his wildest dreams um, that, that something like, like this would happen. And you know what? Let me just tell you that uh, there's a sort of a honeymoon period yeah. right now. But, um, you know, there are lots of people still... Uh, I won't go as so far as to say the majority by any means, but there's a powerful minority of people who are sharpening their knives and of uh, and getting ready to stick them in the backs of uh, of Boucher, Callis, Smith. You know, there there's a lot of raised eyebrows that uh, they're all white. I mean, it does fly in the face of what has been an aggressive, probably overly aggressive transformation policy. So there's a lot of people waiting for them to fail. Um, uh, you know, which is which is disappointing, but. There is no Boucher, Callis or Smith in the team, players of that quality. So there's only so much they can do. But, um, gee, they've been working their backsides off. Um, and uh, and the, the turnaround has been immense, the turnaround in confidence. And, you know, remember that Faf Duplessis received, you know, like, like many other players, um, who, you know, he's received Colpac offers and, and, and offers from T20 leagues around the world to turn his back on, on Cricket South Africa. But... I don't even want to use a religious metaphor, but he believes he's the chosen one. It's his vocation to to lead South Africa into more prosperous waters, um, as Boucher and Callis say, back to where they belong, um, back to the status as you know, as number the one number one team in the world, which they were when those three were playing. And man, as you talked about the team there, it's, it's quite interesting. They brought six debutants into the squad. Um, and you see, there's there's knives ready for for Callis, Smith, and Boucher to fill. How many do you expect of these these debutants to play? Is it going to be two, three? You know, Van Dus is it Van Dusen? Is he gonna is he gonna come in and bat at number sort of three, four? Um, and what will it do with a bowling lineup with Nagidi not playing? I I can tell you that first of all, another sign of the new dispensation is that with the injury to Temba Bavuma. Ordinarily, because the transformation target is six players of colour, um, including two black Africans, that would have meant that they would have, have to have played Andila Petalacuayo as the second black African. But um, I spoke to Linda Zondi, who is himself is a proud Zulu, who says we should never apologise for transformation. We know where we need to go as a country. We know where we want the team to be and what, it, what we want it to look like. But, he said, I will never tick a box Cricketers are people, not numbers. So they are heading towards the all-rounder route. They've uh, been lacking an, an all-rounder, genuine all-rounder for years, as you know, probably since Callis retired, actually. So they're heading for to play 
Dwayne Pretorius probably at number seven with Quinton de Kock batting at number six. And the fast bowling attack will be Cajisa, Rabada, Vernon Philander, um, Anrich Norkia with Kishab Maharaj, the left arm spinner. Rassi Fonadassan will almost certainly play because of the injury to Temba Bavuma. But um, uh, English fans won't have seen or heard much of Zubair Hamza, who's a really exciting 24-year-old right-hander, got all the strokes. Um, and if he's not inhibited by the size of the occasion. He's only played a handful of test matches, but he's a he's a quality player, a real, real bright one for the future. So expect him to bat at three. Rassi van der Dusten at four. Faf Duplessis, who should be batting at three or four, but like Joe Root, is sticks, sticks to his favourite number five. Uh, de Kock, six, and the all-rounder Pretorius at seven. Uh, let's have a little listen, actually, because we, as I mentioned, we were uh, here, back here a few days ago. Sam Ellard, of all the people to be let loose on the uh, South African uh, galactic... He's by me, by the way, he's throwing his arms up in the air in, in, in mock, uh, mock moaning at where he is in life. Um, he's a lucky man. Uh, let's have a listen to uh, what um, Jack Callis had to say uh, to Sam. It was quite interesting, actually, some of the points he made. Jack, you've come up against a lot of England teams over the years. Where does this England team rank for you in terms of quality? Yeah, they're a good side. I mean, it shows where they are in the world and uh, they've played some good cricket over the last while. So, um, you know, any England side that comes to South Africa is is always going to be a decent side. Let's give our guys a chance. We're we're a young side and that's also dangerous. Um, You know, our guys are going to come out there fighting, like I said, with Bauchi as as coach. He's already installed that fighting money into them. So we're going to be up for the fight and we're certainly not going to lie down. We... Um, confidence about the series we believe we can win it otherwise we wouldn't be playing you're one of the best all-rounders that's ever played the game right now in the world Ben Stokes is the best all-rounder what have you made of some of his performances over the past couple of months in the World Cup final there was that brilliant innings at Headingley uh, in the Ashes and do you think that Ben um, in the rest of his career can can finish it as you know regarded as one of the best all-rounders to ever play the game he's certainly got the talent to um, I suppose it's up to him if you are hungry how, how far he wants to take his game <clears throat> the one thing that's been good about him is he's done it in, in a lot of formats. Um, you know, obviously plays the game very differently to to what our player did a lot more aggressive that type of stuff certainly with the bats and that. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll be a key player for them, and we'll have to have good strong plans against him with both bat and ball. Jeru comes into this series as captain under a, a bit of pressure. Lost in New Zealand, didn't win back the Ashes. Uh, lost in the Caribbean early this year. Do you think Joe Root has a long-term future as the England captain? What have you made of this England team under Joe Root? They've obviously done well for a long period, and like you said, he is under a bit of pressure. But you know, every player goes through that, every captain goes through that, and um, they've kept him as, as captain, so they obviously believe in him. So um, yeah, you know, we'll certainly try and keep the pressure on him and on England. Um, it's probably an area where we'll try and target and, and make sure we try and put as much pressure on, on him. Just because he's under pressure doesn't mean he's not going to have a good series. He'll no doubt be up for a big fight and he'll want to turn that around. And we just need to make sure we're on the ball against him. One of the things I enjoyed about being here a couple of days ago was just how familiar and how comfortable the South Africans were talking to the press. And they were quite candid. You know, if you asked an England cricketer, you know, are you going to target the uh, under fire opposing captain? They would have, you know, blocked it away, wouldn't have mentioned anything, only going to concentrate on their own game, yada, yada, yada. But not so Jack Callis. You know, he said no. You know, we could, we're going to put pressure on him. You know, that's what we're going to do. It's, it's common sense. It was refreshing to hear. Um, and Faf de Plessis as well. Well, that's why we got Graham Smith back. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know that he's done that to England captains. I certainly by no means have done that. So we thought we'd bring that experience back for the series. 
bit of news that has come out of the South African camp today, uh, Manners. Werner Philander deciding that uh, this would be his final tour. Uh, and, you know, what a performer he's been for South Africa over the last few years. Extraordinary, yeah. And I wouldn't say underrated, not by the opposition anyway. But um, underrated by many um, observers, casual observers, even serious observers and fans of the game, because he's not quick. Um, but his, his strike rate and his average is astonishing. I mean, he's top 10 all time. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's in the top five um, uh, since they started playing cricket without wearing cravats and jackets, you know, in 1890. I mean, he's been an immense, immense performer. Um, uh, he took 100 wickets in his first... Uh, his first uh, 20 test matches. In fact, he, he took 50 wickets in his first seven test matches. So in South African conditions, with a little bit of uh, nip and seam um, uh, early on, uh, if the England top three will s- insist on being fragile, then it could be it could be problems. I mean, I, you know, that it's not hard to see England uh, suffering the old 30 for three syndrome. It matters you talk about you know, what, what Philander brings. But you know, with England, England not being able to sort of take 20 wickets overseas with his Kookaburra ball, but there is a little bit of a teal there in South Africans' batting lineup. You know, De Kock's a good player. Don't get me wrong, he's a good player. But in batting at six, a new guy Pretorius at seven, and then the bowlers, the bowlers are it doesn't stand out for some of there to be like a natural number eight. So England could. We were talking. We talked earlier. Me and Johnny talked about England potentially playing five seamers. I, I don't have a problem with that, but I think with the length of tail that South Africa have, the leg spinner might not be a bad option for England to try and mop up that tail. Yeah, Homie, actually, um, maybe it's just that South Africa have had some really weak tails in recent years that I don't think this one's too bad. Mm. I mean, Vernon Philander began his first-class career as as a number six batsman, a batting all-rounder. So I like him. I mean, he's got test 50s. Um, you know, he's got a really good technique. Um, so, you know, and, and Pretorius is... He he bats. I mean, you know, he's got first class hundreds, and you know, he averages thirty five with the bat. So, um, and then and Kishab Maharaj has hung around. He's made thirties and forties at Test match level, and Kisa Rabada at ten. Um, look, I'm not suggest <laughs> I'm not suggesting it's the strongest tail South Africa have ever had, but you know, if you're if you're eight, nine, ten are good for 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 thirties and forties, mm. um, or your ten is good for twenties and thirties, then you know, Harmi, then. You know, that means if you've got a batsman at the other end, then, uh, you, you, you know, you're looking at, at 40, 50 run partnerships. But, um, heck, I didn't see a great deal of Matt Parkinson, but um, I, I don't think he'd be keeping even this tail awake at night. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we've just seen Pakistan beaten out of sight in Australia. And funnily enough, when they were playing on home soil, completely different proposition. And I suppose that's what we're going to expect from South Africa. Um, I mean, who can beat India and India at the moment? Uh, Manners, uh, we'll see you on Christmas Day. I'll see uh, you, me, you and Harmi will be together around the table on Christmas Day, eating a bit of turkey and probably having this exact same conversation, but just not... Uh, getting uh, getting aired maybe there's a podcast idea in that I don't know Guy Swindles um, has been part of uh, the team for the last weeks uh, you know you've seen a lot of the England cricket team home and away Guy uh, listening to what, what Chris had to say there as well you know how do you assess the challenges that await this team and you know how do you think they're going to set about uh, taking them on 
Well, this is <laughs> big questions and absolutely right. Uh, I think the first thing to say about poor old Chris Silverwood was he came with such good intentions of getting everything right, everything prepared. We're going to work much harder than we normally do before the first test. We're going to hit the ground running when we're ready and turn up on Boxing Day. Then three of his key men develop flu. Um, he has to fly extra players in. Others don't perhaps cover themselves completely in glory and what was a difficult wicket in Benoni. Uh, so he's now having to play catch-up ahead of Boxing Day and I think that's where he's going to be tough. I think he is going to be lucky and possibly have Stuart Broad and Joffre Archer ready. Talking to Stuart Broad earlier, he was saying he was feeling a great deal better. He said he'd never felt so ill before, but he said he didn't have a stomach upset, so he could eat. So now they're feeling better. They're not weak, so they're ready to go again. Um, and I think that Chris Silverwood, is he'll, he'll take the final decision, obviously, but he's really hoping that those two guys will be fit and firing. Well, one of the things that has gone his way is, of course, that Jimmy Anderson looks set to resume his role at the top of England's bowling attack. And um, we heard a little bit from Jimmy earlier this week. Well, with Jimmy Anderson and Jimmy, first and foremost, how's the calf? Yeah, good. I had no issues with it. You know, it's been a good stint I've had of, of uh, rehab and trying to get it strong. Uh, and not just the calf, but my whole body, really. And it's been good to have that period of, of just concentrating on my fitness, working on a few things on my bowling as well, which has been, which has been good. Uh, obviously, it's frustrating not to have been out in the middle and playing with the lads. Uh, watching from a, a distance is, is, is pretty tricky for me. I'm itching to get out there. So today, you know, even though it was a, just a warm game and you know, a lot of the guys trying to just only been here for a couple of days in the country, a couple of days, so they're, they're still finding their feet. For me, I've been here a few, couple of weeks, so I felt like I, you know, I was really excited this morning getting to the ground and getting out there and playing. Now, Stuart Broad, you haven't bowled in tandem with for a while. Joffre Archer, you've never bowled with at test level before. Are you looking forward to, should you be picked, starting up an old relationship and a new one? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, for me, I, I, I'm just trying my hardest to get myself into a position to be picked for that first test, to get my fitness right and be bowling well enough to be considered. And if I get picked, then, yeah, as I said earlier, it's, it's been tough watching them from the sidelines because, you know, they're, they're fantastic bowlers, but you want to be out there helping them out if you can. And, yeah, I've missed bowling with Stuart and obviously I've not played with Joffre, so both think. Both of the, those things excite me and I'd love to be out, out there playing for England with them. Final thought just on that. What does it mean to you to be back in the England squad and possibly playing for England again? Well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, for me, it's uh, it, it means a lot. I, I worked really hard at my fitness. It, it was gutting not to be a part of the Ashes and part of that New Zealand tour. So to, you know, I've worked hard to get myself back to where I am now. I feel like I'm in a good place. And I, yeah, I just, I think for me, uh, at the, the age I'm at, you know, there's always a question of whether I've got the hunger and desire to carry on playing. And you know, the, for me, I, I was desperate to to get back fit. So for me, I, I can still see that the the hunger's there. I still want to feel like I've got something to offer this Test side, uh, and hopefully, I've got a few more Test wickets in uh, in there somewhere. Jimmy Anderson, there. It's a bit of a nonsense, isn't it, Harmy, to uh, to state just how important it is that Jimmy Anderson is back within this side. I believe that England wouldn't have lost, or rather, drawn the Ashes series uh, if he hadn't hobbled out. Or he certainly wouldn't have lost to Edgbaston, but. Um, we're all going to be holding our breath, aren't we, Harmy, for the first uh, two or three overs of Jimmy Anderson's first spell? Yeah, definitely. And you know, look, it's right to bring Jimmy back. He's he's our best bowler ever. Um, and what he gives, I don't think you can underestimate what Jimmy Anderson gives to other bowlers. The confidence he gives just by being there, standing next to them, talking to them. Um, he's a grumpy sod sometimes, Jim. I must admit, he, is, he can be hard work when you're on the field with him. And you look across and you think, uh, you don't know what mood he's in. And, and he's mellowed a little bit. But 
the one thing he does, his experience is just phenomenal. His ability to, to make the, the opposition batsman's technique, if there's any chink in the armory, and which you get now, uh, John, you, uh, more now so than ever, you know, because of the invention of 2020 and one-day cricket being, being so crash-bang wallop, players looking to hit the ball, any sort of any margin in your technique or something not right or you're off balance, Jimmy Anderson's probably the best that I've ever seen at exploiting that because he can move the ball laterally, he can you know, challenge your, your inside and your outside edge. And I think having him on the pitch, um, it's just seeing his name in the team sheet gives a little bit of a lift. Also looks, you know, the opposition look across, think they've got Jimmy Anderson. But the biggest boost for me will be for Jofra Archer because when Jofra Archer's standing at the end of his mark, learning how to bowl in test match cricket, and Anderson just pushing him down the road of, you know, I start pitching it up, you know, I look to drag him forward, you know, when to bowl the bouncer, what line to bowl the bouncer on, just little things like that, that, you know, you can bounce ideas off Jimmy. I think it will be so invaluable for Archer. And I think as a group together, Archer will complement Anderson because he'll push batsmen back. And that's like I said before, once the batsman's back and he's on the crease, uh, that's when Jimmy's in the game. This is Jimmy Anderson's 150th test match. Mm. As a former test match fast bowler, what sort of... <laughs> how incredible is that to actually be playing your 150th test match as a pace man? Well, it's unique, isn't it, Guy? It's unique. I, I know I had 60-odd of my test matches, and I know what my, my body was feeling like right at the very end. So to to sort of play double that and a little bit more is is testament to how... Uh, Jimmy has worked hard, how he stayed fresh, how he's re-energised himself and challenged himself to go to the next level. Once he got to 300 wickets, he wanted to get past Bob Willis, you know, the late great Bob Willis, and then get past you know, Sareen Botham and then challenge the big guns at the top, the Ambroses, the, the Walshers and then McGrath. And I think that was, was something in his, in his mind. And I think now he's probably looking at 600 test wickets uh, and going and beyond that and setting a, a marker down for probably nobody else in Test Match Cricket to get anywhere near from a scene bowling point of view. But he's just he's just so good. Uh, like I said before, uh, he, you know, he's, he's dropped a little bit in pace since, you know, since he first burst on the scene. But uh, Jimmy doesn't really need to pace. And you talk about Vernon Philander, they're not, not the fastest bowlers in the world. But if you've got any sort of chink in your technique, they are absolute beauties at finding a, a way through and getting the outside edge and yeah, you know, the the interesting part about the, this to go on to the, the the this test match series is England's catching in the slip cordon. It's got to be they've, they've got to be sort of switched on, especially now they've got Anderson back, because taking 20 wickets is hard work for England so far overseas in the last few years. And um, if they get a chance, they've got to grab it because it's it's going to be vitally important. But what a what a career he's had, and he, he's still having because. To say he's had, I think he'd up, I'd upset him again because he's uh, he'd be saying 150. He'll want 600 Test wickets, um, and this little injury might just have put an extra a year, an, an extra couple of series on his career. Uh, South Africa, of course, have got their own uh, X-factor bowler, Kagisa Rabada, uh, and he caught up with Sam Ellard. KG, England's under a new coach in Chris Silverwood. What sort of England side are you expecting to face over the next couple of months? Um. The players are pretty much similar. Um, England, I mean, they've got a, they've got some new faces in the team, but the core of the team is is, is similar. Um, you know, you've got the likes of Root, Stokes, um, uh, Anderson, uh, Broad. All those guys have been playing for a long time. 
So I don't think much is going to change really. It's just about seeing you know, how, the, how the new players are going to adapt and getting used to them. But uh, always against England, it's always a tough it's always a tough opposition and we know we've got our work cut out for us. And coming up against the likes of Joe Root, Ben Stokes, is that something that you're relishing the opportunity to bowl against some of the best batsmen in the world? I mean, that's why we play test cricket. That's why we played. It's, a, it's always a contest and international cricket is never easy. It always finds a way to, to sit you down. So, yeah, so again, it's another challenge for us uh, playing against uh, the world's best players and... Yeah, it's, it's fun at the end of the day it's, it's to see whether you can overcome that challenge or not. And just last one, one more for me, sorry. Just Joffre Archer, someone that has had an unbelievable six months. As a fellow fast bowler, what have you made of, of Joffre's introduction to, to Test Match cricket and international cricket? I think he's extremely talented. He makes it look very easy and he's reaped his rewards. And yeah, man, I mean, I've got nothing against him. Um, like I said, it's good competition. You've got the best bowlers in the world competing against each other. You've got the best batters in the world competing against each other and all the teams competing against each other. But at the end of the day, you know, there is room to admire players who, who do well. Um, and it's, it's good to watch. But yeah, now we're up against each other as, 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 as a team. You know, there's, um, there's, there's a few murmurings in this part of the world that Kagisa Rabada isn't really operating at the intensity consistently uh, that we saw when he made his debut actually here in 2016. I think he holds a record for the most amount of wickets taken at this ground in a single test match, 12 of them. Uh, He's bowled a lot. He's, he's bowled a lot over the last couple of years, isn't he, Harmy? And, you know, I, I suppose when you get to that position in your career, I think we see it from Stuart Broad at times, actually. You know, is it a case that bowlers, you know, kind of pick and choose their moments a little bit more than you do at the first when it's a, it's a little bit more all in? I think as a bowler, you know, only a bowler would understand what I try to say here is they get frustrated when, and I've spoke to Stuart a lot about it. I've interviewed Stuart a lot about it. And he, he talked about, people looking at you and thinking oh, he's, he's not at this he's, he doesn't fancy it or he's just going through the motions uh, Joffre got a bit got a bit of stick for that in the last sort of three or four test matches you know, the, you know that part of the Ashes and then in New Zealand and Joffre doesn't help himself because he's a larger than life character it goes on Zegways and things like that but what, what you've people have got to realise is bowlers are human beings it doesn't just happen you can't just flick a switch and get it you know the, the tap going and off the go and they're going to get six for because you know the, it's just it's just something inside you that you have to start the process get going get a bit of confidence if you go for a four it knocks your confidence a little bit if you feel as though you know you didn't get a good night's sleep the night before you're getting a bit leggy and you get a bit tired it's not as easy as saying right you, you're just going to you're going to nail it now I think the difference between the good and the great is the great when they're not having the, you know, not feeling the, the, at their optimum best, they work out how to get the best out of that, the, their bodies at that specific time. And I think when then the great, when they do have a, a moment where you know, they hit the straps running, bang, they just, you know, they float on air, they get fives and six fours and the bowling 90 mile an hour and everything just looks easy. But when people say, oh, well, he did that last week. And, you know, last week's a different game. Last test match is a different game. You know, you've got a day by day, the body is completely different. And that sometimes frustrates me when people question people's attitudes. And you know, there is things where a bar that potentially come in. 
outside influences. It's going to happen to Archer as well because they're going to go and play in 2020 dressing rooms around the world, earning ridiculous amounts of money, bowling four overs. And then they're going to come back and have them to bowl 25 overs on a flat one um, in South Africa. And it's, it's, it's how you motivate yourself. And you flip it back. What Guy said there about Jimmy Anderson, 150 test matches, 150 test matches. He has set targets each time he goes out and plays um, and he nails them targets. And that's something that Rabada probably has to do. And Jeff Joffre is definitely going to have to go through that, that process. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. As well. You're listening to Following On, South Africa special on TalkSport 2 in association with The Times and The Sunday Times. And now we've heard from Manners, we've heard from Harmy, myself, Guy Swindles. Got to have a little bit of the uh, Australian twang. Jarrah Kimber, our analyst throughout this series has been taking a look at uh, the series doing his homework essentially and uh, he's come up with a couple of fascinating facts I can't wait for this series I'm going to be honest because I'm not sure either team has a fully functional batsman on what is South African pitches that generally favour seam bowling and uh, every team has like a million good seam options at the moment so I think it could be an incredibly exciting, albeit a little bit short, series. Uh, so I, you could really see how um, we could have a bunch of three-day tests. And, and, and we might even, you know, it might be a bit more like the New Zealand series. We might have some incredibly slow sort of grinding out innings as well. But uh, I think I think the, bat, the batsmen are just going to struggle so much. The, 
the new ball in South Africa, and especially facing bowlers like Philander and Anderson on it, it's it's horrible. It's horrible, and no one's been making runs in world cricket anywhere, and certainly not in South Africa. And South Africa's batting lineup could be uh, well, it could be it's almost a lottery at this stage who they're going to pick, and and we already know with England that they're doing something similar. They picked Joe Denley on character and. You know, um, Rory Burns is, is is fighting really hard, but they're both averaging 35. And then you've got Sibley and Crawley and Pope as well. So it could be a very, very uh, bowler-heavy series. I don't think we'll see a lot of spin, although um, Maharaj, the um, South African spinner, is quite good. I think for me, one of the most interesting... Um, uh, I think the two most interesting sort of matchups for the series for me are going to be Anderson uh, versus Dean Elgar. So Dean Elgar sort of over the last couple of years has sort of become one of the world's best opening batsmen. But he struggled in this, since Bowles sort of took over about two, two and a half years ago, uh, he struggled as well. But he's an incredible fighter. He's the sort of person who would quite happily, you know, wear balls on his body, uh, play and miss all day, as long as he's 30 not out off, you know, 200 balls. He's a bit better than that as a player, but he has been struggling for a little while. So Anderson against him, I think, will be quite interesting. There's also Aiden Markram, the the opening batsman and probably, possibly the future South African captain. So a couple of good quality opening batsmen uh, for South Africa up against, you know, England's new ball uh, team, you know, Jofra, Stuart Broad, Anderson. Very, uh, I think that's a very interesting matchup there. Um, And, you know, it's something that maybe, you know, could decide the series because I think if England can get through the opening batsmen, uh, they're going to be pretty excited about what is to come in the South African order. But the thing that I think is the best matchup that I've seen in a long time, and you need to be really nerdy to even find this matchup. Luckily, I am that nerdy, and I have found this matchup, is Stuart Broad around the wicket to Dean Elgar, okay? Now, Dean Elgar, uh, when right-arm bowlers come around the wicket to him, averages 280. Now, almost all left-hand batsmen in the world over the last 10 years have been really struggling when bowlers come around the wicket to them. It's a huge, huge issue that we've just started to notice over the last year and a half in, in cricket. That you come around the wicket, Kemar Roach and Stuart Broad do it all the time. And Elga averages 280 when bowlers do it, which is a phenomenal record. Now, why I'm really interested about this is that Stuart Broad other than Kemar Roach, Stuart Broad's basically the king of coming around the wicket to left-handers. We saw against the, the Aussies and the Ashes, him coming around the wicket over and over and over again. Um, and it was just an incredible, incredible, um, you know, collection of Australian left-handed wickets, really. Um, Stuart Broad, you know, almost ended a couple of careers. He certainly put a hole uh, in Travis Head. Um, David Warner couldn't get anywhere near him. So... He's going to want to come around the wicket, Stuart Broad, because that's because of his wrist position and the way he's been bowling around the wicket. He's going to want to do that. So I really want to see kind of who wins this battle and whether Broad goes over the wicket, whether he stays around, whether he gets, you know, Elgar and what the situation is. So for me, I, I think that's a very, it's an odd one, but I really like it. And I also want to see England middle order, whether, you know, whoever ends up in there, you know, Bairstow, Butler, Stokes, up against, you know, the full-strength South African attack. Um, I think they're going to go very short at the English players at times. Um, and, you know, you really, I really want to see, you know, I want to see a lot of bounces and I want to see a lot of wickets. And I'm pretty sure in this series, I'm going to see both. 
Jared Kimber there. He's actually on safari at the moment, uh, Harmy, for the last couple of days. So oh, if he makes nice. it back from that, yeah, very nice. If he makes it back from that, we'll have uh, some more pearls. Um, I mean, you know, he mentioned there they uh, over the wicket angle, which, you know, bowlers do tend to exploit left-handed batsmen. Uh, but Dean Elgar averaging 280 in test cricket from that mode of attack. Um, but it does appear to have been, it's almost like um, de rigueur now, isn't it? Stuart Broad coming in, nipping out two left-handers. Um, it's just quite fascinating that Dean Elgar seems to have been able to kind of cover that angle of attack. Yeah, and it's it, it, you know, some bowlers like bowling at batsmen in a different way. And, I just think it, it feels as though it's, it's where you're more comfortable lining the lining the ball up. I don't think Stuart Broad will look too much into it. I don't think Jimmy Anderson will look too much into it. I think they'll see the batsmen have an idea of the angle they want to go at and challenge the um, the whichever batsman it is, whether it's it's Elgar, it's Markham, or yeah, Duplessis. They'll have their own plans. England will be meticulous in their own plans. Broad and Anderson, you know, they're old enough, wise enough, and ugly enough to know the angles they want to attack whichever batsman it is and like I said before them slip cordon's got to be on it's got to be on uh, they've got to be on the money because they don't create many chances with the cooker ball overseas when they do create them they've got to take them and I think that angle that you just mentioned but Jared mentioned before you know something that Stuart Broad will especially looking from a, a left-hander's point of view he'd be looking to, uh, to attack and make early inroads because it's going to be so vitally important that England make early inroads in this South African batting unit because I think manners might not think it but I think there's a tail there for England to to exploit um, and if they can get early wickets when a team's got a bit of a tail uh, you've got a good chance of, uh, of winning test matches uh, uh, We're delighted to say that uh, alongside your good selves and uh, some of the more familiar sounding names that were part of Sri Lanka and West Indies uh, Kevin Peterson's going to be part of the coverage uh, so you're going to be sitting alongside him in Cape Town what do you think he's going to bring to the to the talk sport party? Well, he'd bring his African voice wouldn't he? Kevin, he'd bring his <laughs> African voice we've got an Australian covered we've got everything covered from that point of view um, no, I think he'd be. It's fantastic. It's fantastic to have him, um, and he'd be brilliant. The one thing about Kevin, he's not short of an opinion, and that's what we want because, um, arguably, he's the best player I've ever played. You know, played cricket with. Um, so to sit next to my hero in Darren Goff, um, if we manage to get through the ten hours on a flight. And then sit with one of the best players I've ever played and one of the best players that's ever played cricket. And for me, the best player that's played in my generation um, wore the, the three lines, play for England. I think it's, it's fantastic to have him. Um, and he'll be, he'll be box office like he, he always is. The one thing about Kevin, he's, he was an ultimate professional. That's why he was the best at what he did. And I think I've heard him go into commentary and do his TV stuff and he's, he's excellent. He gives an opinion, but he gives a... Uh, he gives a precise opinion on, you know, on what he's on his mind, a genius's mind, and on how batting is uh, is performed. And I'm really looking forward to working with him as as everybody else. Absolutely. And uh, if, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, but you know, obviously we're all going to be looking out for the likes of Stokes and Rabada and and whoever. But if I was just asked for one player that maybe we're not talking about um, so much, so you're expecting a good series for on either side, actually, who, who would uh, who would come to mind? Well, I think for for me on on the England side, the one person who we'll not speak about because he is he's a little bit under the radar, and, and that's a good thing for me, is young Ollie Pope. I, if he has a good series, England have got a great chance of winning because he's going to be batting at number six. Um, a good place for a young player to come in and bat. 
batting in between Stokes and Butler. And if Ollie Pope can have a good series, you know, manage to bag a couple of hundreds or a couple of big scores, then I think England have got a great chance of winning because that means England will be getting, you know, fingers crossed, in and around that 400, you know, 450 mark. So Pope will be the, the, the sort of the, the, the England one. Um, and on the opposite side, they're so reliant on this on, on young Pretorius, the number seven batsman, all-rounder. Malin says he averages 35. He's going to have to bat well at number seven um, because if England can get that cookable ball with the two experienced guys up top working, then you know, he's going to have to hold that whole team together. So interesting, the debutant, and there's big things on his shoulders, big pressure on his shoulders because of Boucher, Smith and Callas coming in. Like Manas said, they can't play their team's, their team's going to have to stand up and be counted. And I think the all-rounder for them is so important and so vital, like Man has said. So Pretorius on the South Africa side and Pope on the England side. If they do well, their teams have got a chance. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Harmy, mate, I'll see you in a couple of days. Enjoy your 10 hours of coffee. Yeah, try and, uh, try and stay on the sparkling water as much as you can because we do have dinner planned for when you arrive. Um, so uh, I know you're, you, you can't take your drink, so make sure you... Uh, <laughs> To be fair, John. Sure to be fair, John. Me and me and Goffey have struggled to make uh, to miss a meal recently, have we? So you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll we'll sure we'll enjoy the plan, and we'll still have a bit of room for Christmas lunch. Brilliant stuff, mate. Thanks a lot for the Cheers, last hour. Really looking forward to seeing you again. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all we've got time for you today here on the following on South Africa special. Thanks for joining us on TalkSport 2. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to bring you this show in association with the Times and the Sunday Times. Pick up your copy of the Times and the Sunday Times for the best cricket coverage from the most well-informed writers. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 